1 Corinthians chapter 7 uh, and uh, verse number 8 through 10. Uh, I want to go back there on purpose today. And we had an awesome word on last week uh, in this direction. Today, though, is going to be slightly different, and you'll know where we're going momentarily. Uh, 1 Corinthians 7, uh, verse number 8, and I, I, I will read it in your hearing. Uh, it says it uh, well. It says, I say, therefore, to the unmarried widows, it's good that if they abide even as I, but if they cannot contain, let them marry. For it is better to marry than to burn. It is better to marry than to burn. Uh, and unto the married. So he's talking to singles and married at the same time, which means he's talking to everybody because even a child is single. Amen. And so he says, and unto uh, the married, I command, yet not I, but the Lord. What is the Lord saying, Brother Paul? Let not the wife depart from her husband. Let not the wife depart from her husband. Thank you, dear. I don't need it. Let not the wife depart from her husband. Now, last week, we talked about what? It's better to marry, right? The Bible says it's better to marry than to burn. But today will be equally as important as last week. Um, as we continue to develop the family and speak into uh, some of the moral issues even of our day. Uh, today, I want to talk from the thought, how to be married. How to be married. How many of y'all know it's one thing to get married? And then you got to learn how to be married. Those are two separate worlds. And we know they are because the last statistic I saw on the nation was that by year five, more than 50% of all marriages end in divorce. So what that means is most people don't know how to be married. They, they can't know how to be married to have that much of a failure rate. Does that make sense? Now, last week's message, we put grace on it early on. I'm going to do it again today. Amen. Uh, we're not targeting anybody who has been divorced. We, we're, not, we're not after anybody who did this or that. Uh, in fact, I'm going to just let the word do what it does. Amen? Uh, but uh, just because something maybe did not work for a certain percentage of, of folks and, 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 and who may be in the room or streaming, uh, most certainly does not mean that we eradicate the whole teaching. Uh, because the truth is, some of you who have been down the path of divorce uh, would probably desire to get married again. Amen. Uh, or, or whatever the case may be, should the Lord allow. So today we're going to deal with how to be married. I want to give you the instruction manual on it. Uh, on last week, quick review, we said it was better to marry. Better comes from a Greek word, I believe, Cretan, which means stronger, nobler. And I told you anytime the Bible says it's better to do something, how many of y'all know we pay attention to it? All right. So if 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 a certain uh, 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 attache or a certain uh, briefcase is better than another briefcase, when you're buying briefcases, uh, you, you should find out why it's better before you invest your money in the one that's not as good. Amen. Uh, we want to know why marriage is better. So you get the tape because we showed you last week why it was better. Uh, this is just brief. I won't be able to go through all those points we did last week. But we said there were three primary reasons why marriage is better. Number one, we said it solves a potential sin problem. 
because the Bible says it's better to marry than to do what? Burn. We also clarified that you should not get married just so you can engage in sexual relations because that is still the wrong reason to get married. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, that is going to, at least minimally speaking, be short-lived if every other component of the marriage is off. Are y'all in here? However, Paul did say it's better to marry than to burn, which implies why burn in passion? Go ahead and get married so you can solve the potential sin problem of fornication which is what happens to people when they don't lend an ear to those natural desires. Now, I'm preaching to my singles now, those natural desires that you were born with. Did you know that that's not a demon? Did you know that? No, it's not wicked. Now, uh, perversion is wicked. When you have laid with the harlot and you've infiltrated your soul with all kind of demonic activity, then you have a bunch of erroneous affections. Then you have a drive that doesn't make sense. And that's why we get people delivered. Amen. We walk folk through deliverance. But the natural affection of desiring to be with the opposite sex. Everybody say the opposite sex is from God. It's natural. Amen. So you solve a potential problem when you sin problem, when you get married. Number two, it creates a righteous union for God's purposes. This is just a review. Uh, Genesis 1 and 28 says that we are to be fruitful and do what? Multiply. Awesome young men don't get here uh, uh, without the proper union of marriage. Does that make sense? We, we give birth and we breed Christian babies and we develop them in the things of God. Amen. Yeah, I was back there with the children's ministry this morning, just in passing and heard Sister Maria going over a scripture that they had learned from First Lady the previous weekend. The kids were just inherently muttering it off without any paper in front of them. Well, the children who are in Islam are also learning how to pray to the East. You follow me? They, they are learning their customs. They are learning jihad. Are you in here? So we have to develop believing babies. We got to develop Christian babies. That's another reason for marriage. And then number three is loaded with incentives that improve your quality of life. You know, the Bible says Ecclesiastes 9 and 9 that your wife, brothers, is your reward. Isn't that awesome? Uh, Ruth 1 and 9, your husbands, uh, ladies, is your rest, your security. You get a good husband. Amen. And it's not just that he brings the trash can in either. Amen. He provides a level of rest and, 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 and seamless living to a certain degree because the things that you would normally have to carry, you don't carry because you got a husband. And all the ladies say? Amen. Amen. So I want to move into new message content, and I want to talk today, though, about how to be married. We're not just focusing on getting married, but how to be married. And I'll start with my opening statement by saying, and most things that are worth anything in our life, they require training. Anything you get that's worth anything substantial in your life requires training. Give you a few uh, examples. Uh, before a doctor can operate on a patient that is an MD, he or she must go through residency. Now, y'all, they got a medical license. They finish medical school, 
and they got their medical license. They have MD behind their name and they really are licensed to practice medicine. Amen. However, depending on the kind of medicine you get into, you could easily have another four years of residency just before we release you to operate on anybody. I, I never forget uh, a counseling, a young man, he was an orthopedic surgeon and he had finished medical school and he was in residency. And uh, it was amazing just to let him tell his story, he come for counseling. But um, he, he started talking about all the dynamics so because he, you know, he was stressed out and all these things that he had to go through and, and you know, how he just felt like they were hazing him, all kinds of stuff. And, but we got to a point in the session to where he said, and, you know, right now I, I'm up to operating on hands. In other words, you know, before I get to operating on femurs and other bigger bones and whatever else, and I don't know the regimen, I'm not an orthopedic surgeon, they, they start me out on hands, all right? And when, when I pass the bar on that and do a good job on that, they're going to let me, I don't know, maybe they're going to let them put a shoulder together. I don't know what's next. But he had book knowledge, but you still have to go through training. Amen. Going to theology school doesn't make you a preacher. That's good. Amen. I said, that's great. Go, go get it. If that's what you like, just make sure they're not teaching you how to not have faith, which a lot of them do. But you want your masters in divinity? Praise God. Get it for Bible history. Know your hermeneutics and homiletics and how to do sermon delivery. But it's the anointing that makes a message go over the way it's supposed to go over. And in order to preach under the anointing, it requires training. It requires being walked through. All of my ministers here, whether they're in training or already ordained, every one of them must come to 730 class. Amen. Have to. It's not even a, you before you teach people or continue to teach, because at the end of the day, it's not just that you've learned how to preach. Guess what? You still need continuing education. You need to stay in it. I got I got my note from the North Carolina board in my field this week via email that this is my year to renew. Now, how about I better turn in a certain amount of hours? They don't care how long I've been practicing. And I used to be the vice president of that board handing out license in Raleigh. But they don't care about that. Come June, Gabe Rogers better have his packet in. Are y'all in here? Real estate. In the North Carolina, you can't practice real estate. Am I teaching right, Surya? You can't practice real estate now just because you finished real estate school. You got to sit under a broker who's been seasoned and in the field for a certain amount of time. I think it's two years now, something like that, whatever many hours. You got to do that before they let, because why? You might sell somebody a house with a graveyard in the backyard. Or not do the right inspections. And, and, and one mistake in real estate is a costly mistake. There have been real estate brokers who have, the, who have had to buy houses because of the mistake they made. That's a true statement. Am I right, Pam? Have had to buy the house because they messed up so bad. Are y'all in here? So all of those things require training and walking through, yet in marriage, you can go down on Monday morning, sign the same certificate with another person, and that's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
You are legally and lawfully wedded with absolutely no terms of pre-counseling and or post-counseling, no terms of what regimen did you go through before you made this decision, none of the above. The only thing North Carolina does is make you go a year before you can get in a, a divorce. And folk are so smart, they found their way around that. Are y'all in here? No requirements. And doesn't the world teach you that marriage is something you just sign up for casually? Just so you can be in the National Enquirer and up your stock. Some of you need to catch on to that. That ups their stock. That ups their name recognition. And, and you marry the pro basketball player and you are the, the whomever. I'm not going to use names today, but you're the superstar artist out there. And y'all get married and all of a sudden your stock goes up. And then, you know, a year or two in, you decide you don't want to be married. Or worst case, why don't we just get married but be swingers? Because no sense in having a monogamous commitment. The world teaches you that. Is that not right, church? So today, I'm going to be what we call a countercultural preacher. That's what I am every Sunday. It's not like I'm changing identities. I am counterculture. I don't go with the world. I don't change my format because the world is doing something. I don't I don't get my my drum beat from who's in the presidential office. It, it, it doesn't matter who they are. It, you know, I respect all my presidents, previous impact. But I, I just don't I don't let the world actors and stars don't tell me what's moral. Amen. Actors and stars don't tell me what's right. So I, yet again, I'm going to be counter cultural you know just because they passed an abortion law that says a woman could get an abortion at nine months in new york does not believe mean that i agree or believe in it amen i know that abortion is still not what god wants come on somebody and i'm gonna keep preaching the gospel amen that would encourage a mom to save her child by the way it's a mom in this church today that saved her child with her precious baby <laughs> hallelujah and she's not ashamed of it and now look at her holding her up that big pudgy baby over there and that's something we're countercultural. Amen. So we're going to be countercultural uh, in, in this whole concept of marriage. And I want you to stay with me because you may have been married 45 years. That's great. Amen. You may have been married 14 years. That's wonderful. There are all kinds of levels and stages. Uh, there are people who have only been married eight years that do marriage better than folk who've been married 40 years because they're in a spirit filled marriage. Stephanie and I have been married 12 years, but I will not tell you we got an excellent marriage. Good communication, good, oh my God, date afternoon yesterday was amazing, uh, good parenting, all of the above. Come on, somebody. But it's because God, God's at the core of this marriage. It's, it's being done God's way. So I, I will not be bashful about giving you God's manual. Now, I'm not going to give you Gabe's opinion. I'm going to give you God's manual on how to be married. This is for my married couples, it's for my singles, and it's for my youth. Because parents, by the way, you are preparing somebody's husband right now. You're preparing somebody's wife right now. Fathers, the first date your daughter ought to go on should be with you. Amen. You're preparing someone's future right 
now. So I want to start off by saying that marriage is a covenant. It's a covenant. I want you to go over to Mark chapter 10, verse 8 through 9. Marriage is a covenant. It's so important that you get that down in you. Uh, and covenant, put plainly, we don't have time to teach the whole concept today, but covenant is an emphatic promise. It is something that should be kept. The Bible even says in the book of Psalm that he that swears, swears by his own hurt. You know what that means? If I tell you I'm going to do something, I got to do it even if it costs me. If I make you a promise that I'm going to be somewhere for you tomorrow at six, if five o'clock comes and I don't feel like getting up, I need to get up and be where I told you I was going to be. Because he who swears, come on, amen, swears to his own hurt. Well, marriage is a covenant. And this is so critical to get singles. This is why you date carefully and under the surveillance of a mentor. You let us mix a DP with you and you walk through discipleship. Come on, somebody. And you don't go on trips with people and nobody knows what you're doing and where you, what's happening. And I know what kicks up in adults, especially those of you who are 30, 40 something is, is, you know, I, I ain't no child. You're not. You're not. And, and we didn't say you were, but we just got through clarifying that everybody needs ongoing training. Every your pastor gets ongoing training to this day. Amen. <laughs> Let me go ahead and help you understand something. When I go down there with that great man of God, Pastor Go on tomorrow night. Oh, my God. We, we do it every time. Hey, Pastor, you got anything you think I should know? You got any feedback? <laughs> you got any feedback? He told me one time, keep doing what you're doing. You'll take flack for it, but you're doing great. Amen. Amen. Keep preaching. That's it. You find somebody seasoned in what they're doing, and, and come on, and you ask them, and you subject yourself to it, to the glory of God. Pastor Ron, what you think, brother? You got anything? Well, I would have done it. Okay, praise God. Let's do it that way. Amen. All of us remain in training. Marriage is a covenant. Get back on track. It's a promise. It's what we do. It is that we join ourselves. And look at Mark 10 and 8. It says it so well. And they too shall be how many fleshes? One flesh. So then they that they are no more twain. That is two. But how many flesh? One flesh. And look at it in the amplified verse number nine. Wherefore, what therefore God has united joined together, let no man do what? Separate. Separate or divide. Now, here's where you really got to get in the nitty gritty of how to be married. What who has put together? God. What who has put together? God. So if God put it together, who am I to take it apart? Unless I meet God's requirements for it to be taken apart which obviously is adultery or abandonment. The believing spouse is at peace is what Paul says. Then I meet requirements. Yeah, it, yep, God, mm-hmm, I didn't do it. The unbelieving left. I had nothing to do with that. I'm going on with my life. No, 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 he's cheating on me. She's cheating on me. I can in no way sit here and endure this. I desire not to. Doesn't mean that if your spouse has adultery, amen, that you have to quit the marriage. You can reconcile, amen. But come on, how about all these repeat offenders? Subjecting you to all kinds of physical harm, emotional brokenness. Amen. That is a different story. Totally different story. So uh, except in those cases, what God has united, joined together, let how many men put asunder? 
this is what we say in marriages when we when we get to the benediction. Therefore, what God has put together, let no man put asunder. Let no man separate. Let no man. And no man uh, also includes no man. I'm a man in this. I can't separate just because I want to. Let no man put asunder is no man. No woman put asunder. But, but no man, amen, coming and putting asunder. No external man. No in-laws. Amen. No brothers that you shoot pool with, come on, that look at other women's hourglass figures while y'all shooting pool. Those ought to be embarrassing conversations. He ought to be embarrassed for saying to you, look at that. Man, do, do, you, you, oh, you forgot, huh? You forgot I was married, man. Man, never mind. Let's just go home. Never mind. Because you countercultural. Let no man put asunder. And while I'm there, stop getting so excited because somebody flirted with you. That, that is not empowering. That, that is not, well, I guess I still got it. That is the devil coming to put asunder in your marriage. That is the enemy. And you got to learn how to call the enemy out. Amen. Further, if that strokes your ego, you need to start doing some inward work and figure out where those erroneous cravings are coming from. Because what God put together, I told you I'm countercultural. Let how many men? No man put asunder. Everybody say marriage is a covenant. Now, we always tell folk when we get them married that marriage should not be entered into how? Lightly. Y'all know those, those, those vows we read to folks. And, you know, it shouldn't be entered into lightly, but you ready for revelation? It should not be left lightly. So it shouldn't be entered into lightly. It should not be left lightly. And just like last week, we paid attention to what God says is better. He said it's better to marry than to burn. We should also pay attention to what God hates. Anytime I read scripture and the Bible says something that God hates, I perk up and I say, well, God, what do you hate? Let's go over to Malachi chapter two and verse number 16. Come on, somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Malachi chapter two, verse number 16. How to be married. And we're going to get in the manual here. Malachi 2 and verse number 16. This is so good. So good. And I do want to read it in the Amplified because it's going to clarify it for many of you uh, to, to just break it down for you. For the Lord, the God of Israel says, I hate what church? What does God hate, church? I hate divorce and marital separation. And him who covers, now don't stop reading because you're going to see something else he really doesn't like. Then we're going over to Proverbs 6. So I don't like divorce, but I don't like separation. And him who covers his garment, his wife, that is his wife, with violence. <gasps> Did you ever read that? When your wife is nervous. And so you don't know, but other people can discern that. She can't speak to people because you're going to say something to her in the car. A woman did not tell you. You're not fooling us. I thought I'd just bring it home. I said, you're not tricking us. You're not tricking me. My discernment perks up. Why is his wife so subdued? 
He can talk, but she can't say nothing. That's learned behavior. That's a phone. That's a home conversation. That's a if you then conversation. God doesn't like that. God hates that. There was a member, I think it was at Bill Winston's church, and he was beating his wife up, and, uh, and God, God visited him in a dream uh, and, and with some, some, some real strong, you know, hell-type looking stuff or something, and told him loud and clear, if you beat her again, you're going to hell. Some of y'all heard that. You beat her again, you're going to hell. No, that's his daughter. Did you get that? That's God's daughter. He hates it. Hates it. If you've made that error and done it a time or two in your marriage, oh, let it never be named among you. God hates it. Can't stand it. He hates those things. He doesn't like separation. And then, ladies, don't you sit in a marriage under the auspices of just trying to do this and do that and let your eyes get blackened day in and day out. However you look at that theology, you ready for this? I'd rather separate and just go unmarried if I have to. But for God's sake, you're not going to beat me up every day. You're just not going to do that. Amen. God does not like that. I told you I'm countercultural. And it's not always that you do it with this, but whatever your presence does to your wife. I tell you, I know what I'm talking about. I can shake people's hands sometime in church, and, and my God, the, the, the wife just got a tuck. And I said, well, what's, what's, what's going on here? Oh, and it ain't because I'm a counselor either. The Holy Ghost, I'm picking up something. What's happening here? Amen. Amen. You can tell, amen, how well a, a husband treats his wife based off of her countenance. Oh, it's going to tell on her. Oh, yeah, y your wife will have the glory on her. The Bible says she is your glory. Your wife will have the glory on her or not. And you cannot just make her up to do it either. Just send her to get her hair done. She got her hair done, but. Can't make eye contact with people. Come on. God hates it. He hates it. Don't come telling me you got some mental health condition. Uh, uh, well, Pastor, you don't know I'm, I'm bipolar, and when I get in a manic phase, I, I just can't control myself. Let me put a man twice your size in the room. I'm, I guarantee 100%. Mania going to hit you, but you're going to keep your hands to yourself. I guarantee it. You're in a manic phase, but you're chilling. You can't get manic in here. Try it. Amen. Get manic. I tell the armor bears, move out the way. Let them get manic. Come on. Let's go. Try it here. Amen. Try it here. Just all that cowardice stuff. That's what it is. It's cowardice. God hates it. He hates it. And therefore, keep a watch on your spirit that it may be controlled by my spirit, Galatians chapter 5, the fruit of the spirit. So you walk in the fruit of the spirit, you won't have to keep hanging pictures in your house to cover up drywall holes by which you punched another wall. So you keep a control over your spirit that you deal not treacherously and faithlessly with your marriage mate. 
And I'm dealing with the men and women today. So ladies, just get ready. I'm coming down your street too. I'm going in every direction. Wherever it hit, it's just going to hit today. I, I declare to God that's what. Somebody give God great praise in this place. Hallelujah. Wherever it hits, it's going to hit today. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We've had in the church far too long deacons harming their wives, praying on Sunday. Not in this church. Got elders preaching and teaching and wives afraid of. Got women up leading in the church. Uh-oh, with the spirit of Jezebel. Won't submit to a man. Every time their husband talking, they talking over him. There's no order in that. Amen. There's some things God hates. He hates divorce. He doesn't like it. He hates violence. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. Listen to what the word says. New Living Translation. Come on, we got to pick up time because I want to get into this manual. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19. There are six things the Lord hates. Well, he just told you in Malachi 2.16, he hates divorce. You can ready to see another context of it right here. There are six things the Lord hates and no seven things he detests. Let's read them. Haughty eyes and a lying tongue. Hands that kill the innocent. That's murder. That's murder. By the way, it's the difference between killing and murder. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, it's a time for war. Amen. Taliban trying to overcome your country, you pray for your soldiers. Amen. There's a difference between killing and murder. Well, this is murder. Hands that kill the innocent. A heart that plots evil. God can't stand dark hearts. Feet that race to do long. False witnesses who pours out lies. But here it is. A person who sows discord in a family. God doesn't like that. Oh, I did my study for you. I said a person who sows discord in a family. God can't stand it. Those of you who are infiltrating other people's homes, stay out of it. Stay out of it. That's not, that's not your place. Just, no, stop, stop giving folk words of knowledge and God ain't talked to you anyway. Stay out of it. He doesn't like it. He, he doesn't like infiltration in the home, but my God, he doesn't like church infiltration. A spirit of division and all... No, it, it, no, 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 no. The best thing a person can do when they just can't stand it here, find a different one. That's right. And I mean that with so much love. But you go somewhere else. Because see, all it's going to do is make you sick. God can't stand discord. He doesn't like it. He doesn't like it. But then in your own family, he doesn't like discord. He doesn't like it. Because discord separates you from the love of God. It hinders your prayers. First Peter 3, uh, verse 1 through 7. You write and you study it, married couples, make it your devotional this week. It says that your prayers not be hindered. All that strife hinders your prayers. Walk in peace and harmony. I was so proud and I boast only in the Lord when my wife sent me a text this morning as she was heading into church. Dear, thank you so much for taking me out on a date and for loving me and for doing thus and so. Just a really sweet text. And I sent one back to her while I was back there uh, meditating. And I'm being so serious this morning. I do believe that one of the reasons why the glory was so thick in this church was that spirit agreement alone. Oh, yeah, it matters. 
I took communion last night over it. I said, Lord, I thank you right now for just the great quality of life you've given me. I walk in agreement. I will take care of my sweet wife, my kids. I'll be the best pastor. I'll do all that you tell me to do. I, I just know that that matters to God. You get through counting money, it's going to be a landmark Sunday because it matters to God. It matters to God. You want the oil to flow in your marriage? You got to walk in love. You got to walk in peace. You got to walk in harmony. That is so critical. Everybody say marriage is a covenant. Yeah, there's some things God hates, y'all. And if God said he hates it, make no mistake, he's not going to put up with it. We wonder why so many things happen to people. And I'm going to give you revelation you might not have thought of. It's not God killing them half the time, y'all. It, it ain't even God doing it. I know the angels struck Herod. I know those scriptures, you know. I know judgment can come. I know all of that. But, y'all, half the time, when you are not walking in peace and harmony with your brothers and sisters, it's not that God's doing a thing to you. You're just praying for the enemy. There's no hedge around you. There's no protection. There's, there's nothing to, to rebut. Refute. If Satan had his way, every one of the five to six hundred souls in this room today, every one of you would die today. He hates you. He comes to steal, kill and destroy. If he can't get you in a head on collision, he try to burn your house down by a gas accident tonight. He would do whatever he could to kill you, but he can't. I said he can't. So since he can't kill you, why let him hurt you through discord? Somebody give God great praise and let the enemy know that you are on the Lord's side of marriage. You're going to do it God's way. I'm going to love my wife God's way. I'm going to love my husband God's way. Come on, somebody. I'm going to honor God. Amen. Amen. So with all this being said, I'm not going to be long today. I'm almost home. All this being said, I want to give you some instructions on how to be married. Number one, define roles in your marriage biblically, not by opinion. Define roles in your marriage biblically, not by opinion. Go over to um, Ephesians. In fact, all right, let, let, let's go over to Genesis 2. God's taking me a different path. Then we're going to go to Ephesians 5. You know it. But let's go to Genesis 2. But define roles biblically, not by opinion. Get away from all those people that say stuff like, is that really for today? Did God really mean that? I know the Bible says, but. Anytime we're having a conversation, you say to me, I know the Bible says, but. It has just ended that dialogue. Right. I have nothing else to offer. Because you don't believe in absolute truth. And if you don't believe in absolute truth, I can't solve this discussion because now we are basing it on opinion. Now, my opinion may be that navy blue is the best color that one could wear. That is so opinionated because another man very well could believe that gray is the best color one could wear. Those are opinions. They have nothing to do with, with, with uh, truth, if you will. But uh, as the question was to Jesus, what is truth? Well, let me answer that question. Truth is thy word. His word is spirit and it's truth. It's accurate. So you define parenting by the word. You define marriage by the word. You define authority by what, church? The word. What governs believers? The word, not actresses. Not the culture. 
We don't have the spirit of the world. The Bible says it. Come on. They would be forbidden to marry. We don't grow apart. That's a world vernacular. We just grew apart. What scripture do you find that says, and thou shalt grow apart when you're 58? But don't worry, because others grew apart. It's not in the Bible. And this is not legalistic preaching. This is spirit-filled preaching. Amen. So you take your marriage back to the word. So before any brother pounds his chest, first of all, let's just clarify, man is the head. Can I say that again? I said, man is the head. All right. I'm glad that I'm, I'm at a church where I get hand claps for that statement. Amen. Man is the head. And there is no however, there is no but. Man is the head. Established. That's how it works. That's not an opinion. But what if he ain't working? Man is the head. Amen. Because his work ethic actually could have been determined while y'all were dating. You would have saw that. Amen. So if he's sitting on the couch burping, come on, pray for him. But man is still position, anointing. All right. Look at this thing. Genesis 2. And then, men, you're going to get a good curveball. You ready for it? Genesis 2 and 15. And the Lord took the man and put him where? In the Garden of Eden to dress it and to do what? And to keep it. Somebody say the responsibility is on you. Uh-huh. You can be the head, but you're going to wear it. You make whatever decision you want. I told some of my people this morning, the Lord has led me to sow a certain kind of seed. Okay. You, you can do that. <laughs> Amen. You're the pastor. All right. But guess what? Them lights go off. I thought you said God said. I'm trying to help you now. Because, see, we don't, we don't wag in that headship. Because the Bible even said, I give you a wife suitable for you. So you get her counsel. She's your help me. She can, oh, Stephanie has helped me from making some horrible decisions in my life. Wrong investment, wrong that there. I don't know if that, I just don't have a peace with that. It's done got to a point now to where if she say, I just don't have peace with that, I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's your voice. You're talking in most things, in most things. Well, you got to dress the garden. Notice Eve ain't here yet. Let's keep reading because Eve didn't get any of these instructions. Come on. And the Lord commanded the man saying of every tree of the garden, you can freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it for the day that you eat it. You shall surely die. Are you ready for revelation knowledge to flow freely? Who did God say that to? Where was Eve? Her operation hadn't happened yet. She didn't get the instructions. And then you keep reading your word. He says, the woman that you gave me. Don't come telling me about the woman that I gave you. She wasn't there to hear that message that morning. I told you not to eat that tree. And you should have told her, ah, uh, ah, uh, we know, ah, uh, baby. You don't, you, it's something you don't know that I don't. Just don't listen to him. Put the apple down. Put it down. Don't worry about that. And it wasn't an apple, by the way. It's fruit. But just put the fruit down. Don't worry about it. 
And that's why wives, you know, if you really got a spirit filled husband and you say, the Lord's telling me to do this, the Lord's telling me to do that. And you don't see it. You don't understand. You may not have gotten the instructions. Maybe, maybe God didn't tell you. See, it goes both ways. It is Adam that messed us up, not Eve. Eve wasn't born yet. Eve is the only individual who came out of a man. I thought I'd throw that in for free. Woo, Jesus. Brothers, you can try all you want, but it's something called woo, man, that can bring a baby in this world. Amen. Whoa, did you see her? That ain't what that term mean. Amen. So she ain't here yet. Can we slow walk this thing? Y'all going to be here next week because I live here. So let me just stop rushing. How about that? I'm not a traveling evangelist. I'll, I'll be preaching next Sunday just in case I don't get through it all today. Let's take our time. Somebody say how to be married. Biblically designed. So the Lord said uh, it's not good for man to be alone. Verse number 18. I'm going to give him Stephanie. I'm going to give him Shantae. Come on, I'm going to give him Cerelia. I'm going to give him a help meet for him. You read it in Amplified, it means somebody suitable for him. Suitable for him. Are y'all getting this? Now, notice how the man continues to make decisions. Look at verse number 20. And Adam gave names to all the cattle. Did Eve name any animal? She wasn't here to name them. Cows got their names from the man. Lions are lions because a man called them a lion. I don't know where he got his inspiration from. And notice God didn't name the animals. Read the text. Did you know God put some things up to you? He said, you can make this call. You want him to be a tiger? Okay, he's a tiger. He's an elephant. Amen. So keep reading it. Adam gave names to how many of the cattle? Y'all, it's all kinds of cattle out there. Moose, cows, deer, whatever cattle breeds are. You know, I don't feel like getting in those discussions that, you know, a dolphin's not a fish, it's a mammal. If it's in the water, it's a doggone fish. I don't care. <laughs> whatever you say. Uh, all right? We, those of you who are botanists and zoologists, you know, you can, you can have that discussion. Amen. It's really not a mammal, actually, Pastor. And see, some of y'all need to solve that, too. Just waiting for a moment to rebuttal the pastor. I mean, I hope he's... No, that's not how it happened, actually. <laughs> Receive the word with gladness. <laughs> Amen. He named all the cattle and the fowl of the air. Eagle is an eagle because he called an eagle. Right. A hawk is a hawk. I don't know why he called him owl. He just called him that. Amen. That's what he wanted him to be called. All right. And every beast of the field, but for Adam, there was no found help meet for him. He did all that work before she got there. Amen. Amen. So there were decisions he was making. Then this precious sweet lady comes in verse number 21. The Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam. He slept and the first surgery ever done occurred. God did surgery on him. He took one of his ribs and closed up his flesh. And the rib which the Lord God had taken uh, from the man made he what church woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, this is now bone. Now, brothers, this is why you don't hurt your wife. This is bone of my bone. Would you ever hurt your own bones? Flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. He named her. 
because she was taken out of the man. This is so good. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be what? One flesh. That's a great lead into the second point. Number one, define the roles in your marriage biblically, not by opinion. But number two, he shall leave and cleave. You ready for this? Check outside influences. Check outside influences. Now, now run over to Ephesians 5 and 31. Check outside influences because we got to leave and cleave. So who is influencing our marriages? I didn't say get rid of all outside influences. You just got to check them. You got to find out who's supposed to be speaking into your marriage and who's not. Who's authorized to give you feedback and instruction and who's not. You know, I think it should be somebody your pastor put there for that to happen. But uh, at the end of the day, you got to check outside uh, occurrences. This is so important. Check outside influences. Go over, yes, to Ephesians 5. Are you enjoying yourself this morning? Come on, Ephesians 5. Um, let's see where I want you to go. Ephesians 5. Yeah, let's look at verse number 31. For this cause shall a man do what, church? Leave his father and mother and shall be joined until his wife and the two shall be what how many flesh are they all one flesh so you got to begin to govern what's getting in your marriage that god didn't authorize outside influences the real housewives of whatever was sent to deteriorate your marriage uh, a court tv even just, just the small things. And some people say, oh, I ain't that serious, Pastor. It, it's entertainment. I give you scripture to back up what I'm saying. You go study it. The little foxes destroy the vine. It's the gradual chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. Before you know it, you're thinking in certain terms and conditions. You can watch all the strife on court TV about folk that just off their noggin. Come on, somebody. Your husband or wife come home from work and you predispose to conflict. Because it's in your soul. Come on. Watching talk shows where you're not the father. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I have no time. It's not entertaining. It's a, Bible says evil communication, corrupt good man. No, thank you. I'm, I just don't need to see all of that. All kinds of strife, all kinds of that. Who's it? But then more than those tertiary things, who are the people that get to speak into? Who are the people, ladies, that, that, that you get your nails done with? Brothers, who are the people that you work out with? Who, who is in your marriage? I always tell single folk that's about to get married. Okay, so if you're single about to get married, how to be married? You ready for this? Get another married couple to now do the work. Because a single sister don't have nothing she can tell you. Not much. A little bit. I thank God for the, call, the claps in this section. I'm going to try to get all of them before the service is up. I appreciate y'all. Amen. But no, 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 no. Who, who's mentoring you in marriage? We'll get there in a second. But who's pouring into Who has say? Yup, you was born of your dad, you were born of your mother. Now there's an appropriate time for a young lady to go back to her father. You know, one of the things that my son-in-law is going to hear, uh, if you ever get tired of her, drop her off now. Bring her back. Because that's why God made dads. Just drop her on back off and we'll part peace. You follow me? Well, don't do nothing foolish. 
Are y'all in here? The time for a dad to intervene. Amen. Amen. All right. However, if your mother-in-law can make father-in-law can make final decisions in your house, usurping your spouse, usurping your spouse's wishes and desire just automatically, whatever they say goes, you got a problem. You got an issue. That's wrong. Those of you who are in blended families, I'm so glad I started teaching this message. I'm not doing it for any reason whatsoever. But you're in blended families. Y'all, there are some people that officially have no say over today. That was then. This is now. I got a husband now. I got a wife now. No, you cannot come in the house and go straight in the refrigerator. Well, some people go in your refrigerator via conversation and they have no business asking you what he's doing or what she's doing. We used to be. We used to be married. We're not married anymore. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Used to be. Key word. So leave and cleave and, and really get in that space so that you can protect your marriage. I'm getting some singles faith up because I declare y'all finish this continuing that I believe some husbands going to start knocking at the door. I, that's all I'm saying. I think my married people listening too, but I, I'm getting some singles ready this morning. Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Amen. I know that's right, ladies. I'm getting some singles ready. Woo, Jesus. Yes, sir. How to be married. Number three, perfect marital communication. Go over to James 1 and 19. You got to perfect it. You got to perfect it. I remember the season Stephanie and I went through to perfect marital communication. I got in trouble one time for calling her Stephanie. I still remember that. About a year into our marriage. I said, hey, Steph, you think we can go on down to the grocery store? Steph? You call me Stephanie? I said, well, oh, but baby, that's your name, man. You didn't call me Stephanie. My name's Dear. And guess what my name is? Dear. Don't make any sense, but I mean, y'all know that's what we call each other since the inception of our marriage. And it makes sense to us because we affectionately do it. But hey, dear. All right, dear. We sign cards, dear. Well, you got to find out what your spouse likes. You got to perfect marital communication. And those are the small things that don't matter. If that's what she likes, do it. Amen. Do it. Accommodate it. Amen. Come on, somebody. How about if your husband liked the okra that's slimy, why are you frying it? And not boiling it. That's a, that's a contrary spirit. I just thought we'd do it different today. Why? Do we want to do, why are we doing stuff different? Stick to the plan. Nobody want no slimy okra, and I told y'all like fried okra. So what, what are we doing differently? No, you need to check on what your spouse likes. Amen. There, there, there are things your spouse likes. Uh, there are things that they don't like. And if you would have married uh, Jaleesa, she would have liked it. You would have married Sarah, she would have liked it. But you married Stephanie. There is a difference between Jaleesa 
Sarah and Stephanie. You're going to have to do some things Stephanie like. Amen. And that comes by perfecting marital communication. Amen. Come on, let's look at it. James 1, 19. You already have some fun? Number one, look at this thing. James 1, 19. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man. Now, this is not gender specific, ladies. So don't beat your husband up talking about something. Didn't you hear the pastor say be swift to hear? No, you got to be swift to hear too. This, this word man is for everybody. That's the scripture for the man. No, it's not. It's for the whole union. Amen. Let every man and woman, amen, be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to get mad. Slow to get mad. Look at verse 20 in the Amplified. For man's anger does not promote righteousness. Good God Almighty. Man's anger doesn't promote righteousness. It doesn't promote righteousness in your marriage. Right standing with God. Peaceable home. It doesn't promote that. So I got to go back to verse number 19. Let every man be swift to hear, perfecting communication. You're in the marriage small group. You'll get this this month and at Savannah. Good communication is one of our band of scriptures, as a matter of fact. Swift to hear is uh, we're talking about something. I have an opinion, but uh, instead of me even bringing out my opinion, my buzzword is tell me more. I may have misunderstood something. So before I even address it, give me more. That's swift to hear. You know, I'm not making any judgments. I'm not telling you why you didn't do or how you didn't do or you should have done. Because I'm swift to hear. Instead of speak, I'm swift to hear. I don't have time to take you to every scripture, but one perfect passage for this says, study to be quiet. So I'm swift to hear. I just, I just want to be quiet. I just want to listen. I don't want to solve the problem. I'm swift to hear. All right. I'm swift to hear. All right. But then I'm slow to speak and I'm real slow to get mad. Because there's no need to get mad, because if both of us are swift to hear and slow to speak, we're not going to get mad. Because we're going to do what Proverbs 3 says in all of our getting, we're getting ready to get. I'll tell you why I fried the okra this time. Because when I went to boil it. The pan that we used to boil the okra had a hole in it. Now, you done had a mile-long argument about her frying the okra instead of boiling it the way you typically like it because you didn't find out about the pan. Swift to hear. Now I understand. Are y'all in here? Now I understand. This is so important. It's so important in all kinds of communal relationships that we perfect communication. There's a sender and a receiver. And when you are the sender, when you are sending communication, I need to stop and hear what you're saying. Then I need to regard what you just said instead of saying, ooh, 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 it's my turn. Because most of us in marriage, our spouse is like the teacher on the Charlie Brown show that when they're talking, all we hear is wah, wah, wah. Wah, wah, wah. And as soon as you're done, I'll tell you what your problem is. <laughs> I'll let you know what's going on. You're not a good communicator. Amen. I'll tell you something hilarious, man. In my practice, this was years ago, and no one would know. Nobody like this goes to our church. And I've, I've counseled a thousand lawyers, so that's awesome. Uh, but uh, I had uh, two attorneys come to see me for marriage counseling. You got it. Both of them were lawyers. Husband was a lawyer. And the wife was a lawyer. And when I tell you, 
they showed up armed and ready. That's a true story, y'all. Evidence, facts, and both of them would sit down on my couch. This is, and I used to have to hold my cheek from the inside so I wouldn't bust out laughing in the session. And they brought out their legal notepads with their pen, and she would say, so you're saying that I was not home at 11. Is that what you just said? So I wasn't at home at 11. So if I was not at home at 11, when you found out that I wasn't there, what was your next reaction? And the brother would sit over there, legal pad and pen, on his side. They didn't sit close to each other. They were on different benches. She on her section with a pillow in front of her. He on his section. And he would say, yeah, that's exactly what I said. And I, first, before we go on, I'd like to address the point you just brought up about me not being there because he was making notes while she was talking. True story, Shante. Nicole, true story. I mean, they, they were at it. And finally, about two, three sessions in, I let it go for a little bit, but two, three sessions in, I said, all right, guys, we're going to stop all the Socratic dialogue and cross-examination. I'm going to officially make y'all take them notebooks and put them under the couch. No one can bring a notebook to counseling anymore. You're not allowed to. We are going to talk. And you are not going to find a reason as to why your spouse is wrong. We are actually going to seek for win-win. You're not trying to beat your spouse. You're trying to get to win-win. All right, brothers, let me help you out a little bit. If you win, you've lost. So I was right then, right? I was right, right? Is that not true? It's true, right? And when the clock strikes, half past six, you lost. Amen. You can be curled up. And that sheet on the other side of the bed, come on with no holding, come on somebody, and nothing to look forward to, because you won. Y'all say thank you, brother. I got some brothers that, and all the men said amen. Go on, say amen, brothers. I'm right. You lost. You lost that one, bro. Y'all hemmed up, because you won. Amen. Put the notebooks away and perfect communication. Are you enjoying church this morning? Perfect communication. Why, why, what do you mean, Pastor? What, what's that all about? Let's go to the fourth point. You talk about these, you know, folk keeping score, these attorneys who, who writing their points down, getting ready to refute and rebuttal one another. Well, number four, you gotta be quick to forgive. Go, go to 1 Corinthians 13 and five. I let the word do my teaching. I told you I'm not gonna be in the land of opinion today. All God, y'all. First Corinthians 13 and 5. Okay, this is where the rubber meets the road. And in fact, how do we want to do this one? Y'all just throw it up there real quick because I got 16 minutes and I want to get done with this today. First Corinthians 13 5. Put it in New Living Translation. This is so good. New Living Translation because I just want you to see it in plain English. When it says doth not or rude, that means love is not rude. You'd have to read the context. Y'all know the love passage that we share at weddings? Love is this, love is that. Okay, this is the fifth verse in that passage. So love is not rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not, that is love, irritable. Okay, legal pads. It does not keep record of being wrong. And that's what deteriorates 
a marriage. One translation says it does not keep score. And that's what we have happening. I love asking married people who, who just can't get out of strife. So, y'all, what's the score? Who's winning? Who's up? Because love does not keep score. And I'm telling you, in your marriage, Satan is going to see to it that you have plenty of opportunities to keep score. He's going to let things happen. He attacks us, y'all. I hope you got that revelation. I'm not going to put my wife on the spot. I'm not going to put me on the spot. I'm just going to tell you, he attacks your marriage so that you can have a score. You can have a past to dredge up, something to go back and say, see you always. Then bad communication, we make absolute statements. You never show up. I've been here eight nights out of ten. You're never there. No, I only miss one game. The only thing you do is records of wrongdoing. Well, you got to be quick to forgive. God's going to bless you to the capacity of your love. <laughs> as big as your love is. Oh, this so goes even for how much. That's why this church is just growing. Because as big as your love is, I know, I know, I finally figured it out. More and more will come. He'll bless you to the capacity of your love. You can handle it. You can deal with it. You can deal with people's shortcomings. You can deal with where people are wrong, but you got to let them be right for a season. Amen. In marriage, you're going to have to do that. You, your, your wife is not going to come prepackaged with, you know, uh, some saran wrap around her, you know, just ready, you know, to be like the woman on Coming America uh, who, who's leaping on one leg, barking like a dog, then a big dog. She's not coming like that. You're going to have to cleanse her, Ephesians chapter 5, through the washing of the water of the word. She's going to come with something that is inconsistent with Christianity. Your husband ain't coming through the door, talking in tongues, hearing from God, shooting rays out of his eyes, dropping money from heaven, sending you to the spa every day just because you had faith. You're going to have to teach him. You have to teach him that. Because depending on what he came up in and what he was around, he didn't even know that that's what it did. Oh, that's how this works. I'm supposed to hold the door. Baby, it's a door. Why are you so mad about the door? That's how he's going to come. Amen. That's how he's going to come. He come rough on the edges. Don't come, you know, I've learned even in ministry, just, just work with people. Just work. You know, they might get it six months later. Work with them. Just work with them. They're not there yet. That's okay. They're not supposed to be. <laughs> I was talking to a pastor friend one time, uh, and we both had this awesome revelation. He said something like, why do people keep doing this, man? I just don't understand it. And then I think we both kind of said it at similar times, but that, the bottom line was, uh, 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 or maybe he said it, and that is, well, but that's why they gave him pastors. <laughs> they, that's why God gave a pastor. So you can read that. Did you know thy rod and thy Rod to beat away wolves, staff to hook a sheep back in, in line, in order. And sheep veer, but you got to staff them in as much as you can. 
Now, if they're a wolf, they're going to do more than veer. Because they're a wolf in sheep clothing. Oh, don't miss that revelation. So you got to let them go. Can't help them. Amen. You got to love them from afar. But I'm talking about just genuine sheep. Sometimes they're babes. Sometimes they've been in church, but they're still babes. You got to work with them. Amen. And in your marriage, you're going to have to work. You have to work your marriage. And you got to be quick to forgive. You know, uh, uh, and, and, and part of that whole, okay, let's go to the last point. Are y'all enjoying yourself? See, I'm trying to get through this because I want you to have a message you can go to where you just can find out how to be married. And then you meet friends, they're battling in their marriage. You're going to say, girl, don't say nothing else. I'm going to send you an MP3. <laughs> Listen to it, and then if that don't answer it, call me. Because we can talk about how to be married. Pastor, I'm, I'm single. I wasn't really coming to hear this this morning. Well, you needed to hear it. Amen. That, this is what God wanted you to hear too. Amen. That's what God wanted you to hear too because you're probably going to get married. Amen. All right. So number five, nurture your marriage. What's number one? Define roles in your marriage biblically. Number two, check outside influences. Number three, perfect marital communication. Number four, be quick to forgive. And number five, do what? Nurture your marriage. You know, this, this is hilarious, y'all. And we're going to really feed this. But most of the time, it's the brothers who fall short in this area. But uh, they don't understand why their wives are unhappy. And here's what they will cite. Well, you know, Pastor, we went on the marriage retreat back in 1996. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. Brother, 1990, what? Anything alive has to be maintained. Okay, you don't believe that? Everybody in this room, go home and after church today, hop in the bed, don't clean up and get up and go to work tomorrow. <laughs> Try it. Try it. No, I mean, don't do nothing. Get up and go to work. You're going to offend some people. I say that with tact, because anything alive has got to be maintained. You have to maintain. You have to wash up. You're going to wash up tonight. You're going to wash up again tomorrow. <laughs> Amen. You can't go on a marriage retreat last year and wear a badge of honor, but, bro, we are 11 months after. It's time for another intervention. Yeah, oh, I already took that small group. Take it again. Yeah. It's, got, it's got to be maintained. That's the equivalent of saying, I sowed a seed last year. You already got the harvest on that. <laughs> you got to sow some more seeds. That's good. Marriage has to be maintained. You have to nurture your marriage. You got to go on date night. You, you, you not only go on date night, you got to have what Stephanie calls transparent moments to where they can talk to you just because they're feeling a certain kind of way, as the young people say. Or the brother can come talk to his sweet wife because something bothers him. That is marriage maintenance. Marriage maintenance also includes marriage mentorship that you open yourself up to that you have conversations about with the right trusted resources. Marriage has to be maintained. You got to laugh together. 
That's a part of marriage maintenance. I told you that last Sunday. We cracked up the whole service. You got to maintain your marriage. You got to laugh together. You, you got to get in the trenches with each other in hard places. Marriage has to be nurtured. You got to massage it. You got to make sure that that marriage is constantly just leaning into God's will. Just like you pay attention to everything else in your life. How many people in here, except those of you who might be fasting, aren't going to say that was a wonderful meal I had last Friday? You're going to eat again today. You'll see that? Your stomach, it's going to want to eat. Marriage is alive. She's got to be nurtured. We got to do all of those kinds of things. I like this. Within marriage nurturing, and I'm done, it's also about keeping everything in this container. You know, this is marriage time. <laughs> this is time when we... Do this. When we go to Ruth Chris, this is marriage time. So in that time, I don't have my cell phone on me, but in that time, I'm going to check my cell phone in at the door like I do my coat. Because this is this is the container. I'm in a container now. You know, uh, uh, I did. I, I, I won't be able to get any testimonies. Because I'm in a container now. That don't mean you can't send a testimony. I just can't get it now. Everything is in it. You know, on Friday night, and oh yeah, Pastor, are you using yourself? I sure am. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Paul said, follow my example. So I have no problem using myself. You ready for this? On Friday night, it was family night. So half of the family went into Starbucks with me to get hot chocolate. I think, I don't know which kid that was. It was Gabe, Lauren, and who gave? And Christian, see, he remembers. And, and all right, then Gabe and Stephen, his lookalike, they went in with me to Mario's to get the pizza. How many of y'all know we didn't let Stephen carry the pizza? Everybody would have been aggravated. Stephen carried the plates. Amen. Gabe carried the pizza. We carried some pizza. And then we go home and we turn on the big screen, whatever, and everybody gets their Legos out and Barbie trucks and whatever they do. And you sit and you put that in its container. Because it's family time. It's not time for something else. No, it's not time for the building project. You're in family time. See that? So I'm going to go in this, in, this, in this workout room, and I'm going to run a few miles, whatever I like doing. And when I get done with that and I watch the nightly business report, I'm going to come, and I'm going to sit in that recliner next to Lauren, who likes to sit on the same. How many of y'all know you got plenty of seats, but she want to sit on the same, and she can because that's daddy's girl. And it's family time. And we're going to push that little button, and we're going to lean back. Don't listen to that song. Boy, when you a preacher in this time, everything you say, you got to catch it. Somebody leave here talking about something, lean back. I know that's right. Pastor, pastor, that's my jam. Don't listen to that song. Nah, you heard pastor in the message today, girl. Don't come in here bothering me. I'm in my container. No. No, that, that, don't listen to that song. You get in your container. Amen. Amen. Everything has a container. It's preaching time now. In four minutes, it won't be. That's enough preaching for today. So I will stop preaching. 
You enjoying yourself? Amen. I don't have, I don't have any more messages today. If I had an afternoon service, I'd preach the same message. I have nothing else to offer today. I don't see where I'm coming from. Everything in its contained. You do that, you live the kind of life that Jesus came for. I came that you might have. And how do I want you to have it? Did you know your marriage ain't supposed to be some crazy up and down? That's the devil. We up today, we down tomorrow. We don't know if we're going to. Oh, man, the devil just. Oh, he just playing the violin in your house. The fiddle. He having a blast. And you know how you're going to get back on track? Everybody cut their pride out. Sweetie, I'm so sorry. I realized that what I did was harmful, you know? And, and, and you can't come back and start to get passive aggressive. Now, you know, you came in with the devil in you, but I should not have said what I said. You, you was full allegiance, but I shouldn't have said what I said. I mean, I could see them in your eyes when you came home, but I shouldn't have said what I said. Because I said the wrong thing. And then you start giving yourself credit. I filled with the Holy Ghost last year, and I should have stayed in the Spirit. Because I, I got the Holy Ghost. You don't know nothing about the Spirit. You're still on John's baptism. You're on John's baptism. You just repented, but you don't got the Holy Ghost. She ain't glory. You can't do that. That's passive aggressive. Just say what you did, and don't say nothing else. And she don't feel like apologizing, or he don't feel like it. It's like, you know, they'll come around, because the Holy Ghost is going to jump on them. As soon as you say, oh, I'm so sorry, I messed up, the Holy Ghost is saying, and you? That's what the Holy Ghost is doing, Cassie. Now, what, what you got? And if she don't get it right, the Holy Ghost is going to come up on her. Minister to her, you know? You're going to have marriage conflict. I mean, sure, Stephanie and I have, a, have had conflict. There, you know, there, there, there's definitely been times where she was wrong. But you got to walk in the fruit of the Spirit. I'm done preaching. Walk in the fruit of the Spirit. Thank you. Amen.